welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and this is episode 30. We have a couple of news updates for you. The date for submissions to the 8th International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego is coming up on June 19th. That's next month. Yay! Okay, that's it for now. The website to get details is www.internationalmobilefilmfestival.com. Christina Isoli. She is our guest on the SBP podcast. We're giving a voice to Christina because her film, which is not released yet to the public, is up there with the greatest of mobile films. I, personally, had the privilege of watching it, and we provide a link to the trailer on our show notes, and this is uh, the trailer for that film. And we are also going to provide, along uh, with that, another link to another video which she and her partner, Jacques Mantovani, submitted to the International Mobile Film Festival in 2016. Christina is from Italy, but she moved to London, and that's where she is right now. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm really glad that we get to share it with you. If you've been holding back on making a film using your smartphone camera, then this podcast may give you that little extra push that you needed to go for it. And speaking of going for it, let's go. Hi, guys. I'm here with Christina Isoli. She is in London and... Uh, I'm really excited about it, about introducing her to you because she's made a film which is outstanding uh, in quality, the story. Uh, you actually won't believe that it was shot with a phone. Uh, but I want to introduce you to her now. Uh, hi, Cree. How are you? Oh, hi, Suzanne. Really well. Thank you. And thanks a lot for having me here. Good morning, San Diego, if it's morning. <laughs> right. Even though it's completely late at night here, but in London, it's what time is it over there right now? For um, it's about seven, 70, seven, seven, ten to seven. Yeah, ten to seven. Oh, OK. Yeah, it's it's at least it's not five in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not luckily. Yeah, exactly. It might be late there. So I'm sorry for you. Oh no, no problem. We're both in the same. Uh, we're both on. We both have the same energy. I can tell. So. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Let's keep on. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Um, so you know, I I want to share with uh, with our listeners a little bit about how we met because we've never really met. We've never talked before. Um, but Christina uh, Cree was actually uh, she and. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Giacomo? Oh, you can call him Jack. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mantovani? Yes. Um, really difficult. <laughs> well, I, it's like I want to go Mantovani. <laughs> yeah, perfect. That oh. is perfect. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. <laughs> so, the Italian accent. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, 
so Jack and uh, and you submitted a film to us back in 2016 for our film festival, uh, and it was called History Lesson. And um, we've sort of connected. We've kept in touch here and there. And um, out of the blue, you sent me uh, a film, a link for a film, which unfortunately yet we can't share it uh, because it's going through the festival circuit. Uh, but it is uh, an amazing film. And when I saw that, I, I thought, you know what? I think the listeners for our podcast would love to meet you and um and of course we will share the trailer with you uh so christina why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your background and where you come uh, what brought you into the film industry in the first place before we talk about your film sure um first of all thanks a lot for your kind word i really appreciate it i'm you are really uh, great. Thanks a lot. Um, so, hi everybody. My name is Cristina. I'm a, an indie producer, Italian indie producer based in London. So, um, what brought me to filmmaking is uh, I didn't, nothing really brought me. I think uh, I born with passion for film because since I was really, really little, there was only two places where my parents could have me not to cry. One was inside the cinema room and one was inside the car. (laughs) So there was passion for the car as Italian and for cinema. And uh, since the really uh, early age of eight years old, uh, when my father asked me, what would you do when when you grow up? I said, well, I want to work in film industry. But because I was a little kid, I didn't really know which role I would fit on. I just knew it, that I loved the industry. And that is the world where I wanted to be. Um, Before, to be honest, to arrive where I am now, um, it took me a while and uh, a kind of, uh, let's say, difficult path because... uh, I had various interruptions. I started in theater as theater actress in the beginning and uh, since when I was 16 to 25. But then uh, theater, despite I love it, didn't really satisfy me. Also because I wanted uh, um, to create new stories. So the first step for me was saying, okay, let's try to found my own stage company. Um, But again, I tried that path but I said, mm, I'm not sure I want, I would like to tell the story to a, world, a wider audience. So after, you know, various trying and failure, because this is about life and filmmaking, right. you need to try and you fail and then you carry on. I finally met my business partner, Jack, um, in Venice at the Venice Film Festival. And uh, we find out that we share the same idea. We really go on well together, the same vision for film. And we decided to move together in London in 2009 to push with this dream. And actually London was the right place to be for us and still is the right place to be, at least as a European, because it's really close. And there we start to produce short film. We found our own small production company, Avangar Picture, and bear in mind that since 2009 until 2017, I just produced. So that was my role. 
But then uh, something changed in 2017 because I felt uh, for the very first time the need of uh, create something from scratch, tell my really own story. And that is how Light Me is born, because I had the support of Jack, which said, look, Christina, um, you always produce my story, uh, but you never really challenge yourself as writer and director. Why you don't try then? So it started like a bet, let's say. Uh, it was not really in my mind to do my first uh, uh, short film as director, writer, director. And uh, in the beginning, I said, no, I don't want to do that because, you know, what? I'm not a director. I don't think I have a strong voice or something to tell. But he pushed, he pushed, he said, no, you have to do it. And so I, and so I said, OK, let's do it. And uh, lightning came out. And um, I guess the story is really simple, but the concept uh, is quite strong because it's about people meeting and communication. And um, when I started to approach people for this project, uh, I was quite surprised because it was really easy uh, to get people into the project. So I started to think, mm, maybe the film is not that bad then, and uh, I can do it. Uh, so that was the moment in which uh, the project really started, when I also had uh, part of the crew in and everything. But the most important thing is about this project, and I think is what our audience want to know, is that uh, since the very beginning, I said, I want to do this project and film it with a mobile phone. And the reason why I want to do it with a mobile phone is because, first of all, um, with Jack, we had already uh, other background of shooting short film with a mobile phone and also short documentary like History Lesson, as you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, which we are still really proud of it and we are really thankful that we sent you to you the film because if we are here talking now it's thanks to that film and you um, also you both I remember having uh, some sort of a conversation with him uh, through an email when you know right right before the film between the film festival and after being accepted um, where he was very uh, passionate about the concept of mobile filmmaking so you guys oh, yes were really big on, you know, believing in it. Um, I remember I was sharing my ideas and my my passion, basically, and my belief. And he was, you know, just parallel to that as well, which I really appreciated. And um, especially, you know, uh, for me, back then, it was hard to find people. I mean, people submit films, they they, they get into it. But um, at that time, I hadn't really had any real conversations with anybody like that, you know, so it was really, really great. And so it was easier probably because of that, you know, for, for him to push you in that way and for you to exactly. accept that, huh? Yeah, no, absolutely. As you said, for me, uh, for him, mobile filmmaking is not something like uh, uh, a second class filmmaking. Right. is actually a democratic way, um, and I share this too, to do filmmaking and uh, to share ideas and, uh, you know, to produce content in a world where we know that every year the number of film, short film that we produce is so much bigger than what we actually see in the screen. And most of the time, you know, um, people doesn't really have enough money 
to buy a DLS uh, camera or rent a camera. And the fact that we live in this technological revolution and we have mobile phones that shot in 4K because yeah. the mobile phone that uh, um, we did lightning and also history lesson um, has uh, more than HD quality. 4K, we said we need to embrace this one fully because uh, um, it's not because it gives us voice, you know, but also because it's a revolution that uh, democratizes this media and we can show to other people that uh, mobile filmmaking is not something that you can choose like second option, but it can be a real option. And you can do a film, you can do it well, and uh, you can sell it and send it around. And uh, so, yeah, our voice is really strong on this, and it's particularly Jack. He's working uh, quite a lot uh, um, um, in doing content with film. Actually, I can anticipate you something, that he's actually at the moment working on two documentaries. Wow. One short documentary is about... Um, the process that the scar girls go through um, to get rid of her scars, uh, tattooing over her skin, and he's doing this with a, a, a mobile phone, yeah. a, a OnePlus again, and then he's doing a long documentary about graffiti, so street mm. art, and he chooses particularly in both cases um, the mobile phone because not only, as we said, he allowed you to have a great quality, but help you to reduce the budget, help you to reduce the crew, and you move faster, and uh, you... And you can be sneaky. Exactly. And basically, because you are using a mobile phone, you can document pretty much everything, and you don't really need, uh, sometimes, in some cases, a permission to right. do it. Because if you are a small crew, you know, in London, I bet also San Diego, whatever, uh, you don't really need a permission. And also, as you said, you can be sneaky if you see something that is happening. Okay, you can take out the camera from your pocket and just record. I think it also, yeah, I think, see, I love documentaries. I mean, to me, that, that's been, that's something I really feel for um, is documentary uh, filmmaking. And I believe, because I've had that experience of, of doing that in video production for many years, that um, when you interview someone, um, the phone just makes them feel so much more comfortable. Exactly. And they open up to that a little more than, you know, than they do with a big camera. Exactly. It's like you and I now talking. Mm -hmm. It's much more easy doing it in this way. And again, we are in a technological revolution. We are doing via Skype. Okay. Yeah. And another time, we wouldn't think that we could possibly talk from other parts of the world, li uh, listen to us so clearly, and even watch ourselves. Well, uh, even even with the podcast itself, which is in its exactly. own in its own way, is is sort of a revolution right now as well. Um, and you know, the reason why I chose this is because of people like you. There are people um, people that I. I, I, I want to hear more about their stories. I, I love talking to people and it really is a story sharing back and forth, you know, between people and, um, you know, people who are listening right now, you know, for you, this is like, um, I don't know, when you go to a coffee shop and you get a coffee or you're waiting and there's a couple of people sitting at a table right there and they're having a conversation about something that you find interesting. You know, 
and um, and you're listening in and you almost want to jump in, you know, but um, obviously you can't just jump in, but I do keep you in mind, you know, but this yeah. is a more in-depth conversation and video, it gets limited, you know, an interview, exactly. yeah. you know, it's like an interview, it's a question and answer type thing. And there's only so much you can do with that, but with a podcast, I mean, it could go on for an hour, sometimes even two hours. And it's just like staying up at night, sitting there and, and, and having, you know, a discussion together and it can be more yeah. passionate. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Because looking the way in which we are talking, we feel like, I think is perceived like quite, you know, whole friends confident because, uh, is a really an easy medium and allowed you to, as you said, because you don't have a camera in front of you or all these tools, it doesn't distract you. So you can be really open. And by the way, what you said before about sharing experience, I'm really grateful that we are doing this one because I strongly believe that um, we need to share our experience and our path in life because you never know who is the other person listening in this right. moment. And most of the time, there was a moment in my life in which I really feel um, alone, you know, in this process. Sometimes happen with, you know, and um, it could happen that uh, you're having a point that you said, why am I doing all of this? Why am I compared or struggling and... Uh, using all my time, you know, also my free time to do filmmaking. And uh, when at the end of the day, sounds like the result come slowly. And uh, in the end is not, because uh, as we said, uh, only people who push it and keep going, we will see the end. And we will see that everything that you do in your life has a meaning. And uh, it brought you to something. And uh, this is the reason why I'm happy to talk here, because out there, there might be another me or another you, right. you know, and the only thing that they need is uh, understand that you're not alone. Everybody at certain point feel uh, this feeling, you know, oh, I'm alone, I'm doing this. No, you're not. Everybody passed through that. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Don't give up. Well, I've met, and I'm sure you have too, on, on film sets, there you know, people um, in different films, uh, experiences that you've had, where you meet people that are part of the crew, and they're knocking themselves out, and they're, they're doing all this work, and they have a, you know, like in my circumstance, which really pushed me to finally launch this back in 2009, I was working in Big Bear, and there was a guy that had a screenplay in his back pocket. And, um, I said, what he says, Oh, will you read this? Will you, will you look at it? And I was, I was, you know, I, I glanced at it and I started, you know, I was just looking over and I'm going, God, this is almost better than what we're working on, <laughs> you know, right now. Yes. And I'm saying, and I, and, and I love, um, stories, right. From people. And I love to, um, if, if I can somehow to inspire somebody to follow their dream. Because, you know, we all have dreams and those are probably yeah. the most important thing in our lives. If people, if you're listening right now and you have a dream and you have people in your life telling you, well, but first you got to do this and first you got to do that. I, I'm not going to tell you who to listen to or not or yeah. what to do, <laughs> but before that you know it, no. <laughs> all the time has gone by. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so yeah. yeah. 
So that's that's the whole that's the whole thing. So like what you're doing, what you know, one of the reasons why you're on this is you did such a great job in this film. And um, there are listeners out there who maybe they're just like one inch away from actually just trying it out because you have to try before you do. Right. So you try it out. You you know, you could just pretend, you know, just shoot stuff and learn from them. And then um, I'm hoping that this, you know, and and Christina will be an inspiration for you. Um, and you shot this on a, cause I know we were talking about the quality, but they might be wondering, well, what phone did you use? Honestly, it's whatever phone you have is, is, is good. But if you want to know what Christina used, you used a one plus five phone, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't know if I could uh, say the name of the phone, but yeah, when you will see the, uh, the film, uh, that is the phone and actually, um, is a choice that I made because uh, I already work in other shorts. As you know, even history lesson was uh, shot in with the same phone. And at the end of the day, you want to shoot with something that you really trust. You already had the experience before because, as I said, for us, uh, mobile filmmaking is not a second class. It's actually a choice that we made. Um, so you want to get the best out of it. Uh, yeah, and I, you know what? You just said something really interesting that I I do want to point out, if you don't mind. Also, that yeah, yeah. you know, you used a one plus five in 2016. It's 2018, and you haven't said, "Well, I got a new phone so that I could learn it," because what happens exactly. a lot that way you're using one that you're familiar with. It's great. It's got great quality. It produces great results. And that way you can focus more on your film, on the story. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because the last things that you want when you are doing especially a short film or a short documentary or a documentary with a mobile phone, the mobile phone is not a phone in that moment because you're using the camera. That is your tools, is your camera. So you want to go with something that, as you said, you're confident and you're sure that you can waste less energies as possible and focus absolutely in uh, the film and the storytelling, the flow, the continuity. And, uh, you know, there was a moment in which is, uh, but sometimes, you know, Apple, the iPhone or the Samsung, maybe can be great, whatever. But I don't have time, you know, I can't uh, take this risk. I already work with this phone and for what I needed, the performance for me was outstanding. And you saw history lesson and uh, it was, uh, I think, in my opinion i don't want to judge but i think it was well made from yes. a visual point of view so i said there is no point to change now it's not a bet that you want to take we take a bet in say mobile phone but then when you find the right phone stick with that don't let the marker tell you oh this phone is best blah 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 if you have time to test it okay do it but if there is something that makes you feel confident i would say go with that because the most important for you is the story and have uh, achieved what you want, have a, have a great result. Yeah, uh, and, and it is a phone, too. Sometimes we forget we're talking about a phone after yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's, you know, there's a lot of things to our phone other than the camera that matter a lot. So, you know, my my advice is if you find a phone that works really well for making films 
and you feel like, you know, well, it's older and I, I, I want the newer one, you know what, just keep the other one for filming then and, and get a new exactly. one, you know, and then practice with the new one, but you know, and things like that. But, but don't get a phone and just start, just get a phone just because you want to make a movie is what I'm, what we're, I think we're both trying to say that, right? Yeah, exactly. And if I may add something yeah. about uh, doing uh, filmmaking with the phone, is that uh, sometimes people, when you said uh, you have made a film with a mobile phone, they just think at the, this small rectangular uh, <laughs> tools, okay? But it's not just that. Does it mean that because I've done a film with a mobile phone that uh, I just hold in, in my hand the mobile phone? You can is it become a proper camera because, for example, for lightning, uh, if have you seen, uh, uh, if you saw some scene, especially in the beginning, there is a kind of uh, long take that yeah. has been shot in the street, and that was carried out because the mobile phone was standing on a mini steadicam. Mm -hmm. So there is all a world around. Another things that I wanted in the beginning for lightning, I was planning to use. Uh, Momo lenses, so some lenses to mount in the on the camera of the phone to have more uh, depth of field. And uh, yes, because I noticed that it did have a lot more. I mean, it, it looks like it it could have been shot with a DSLR. Yeah, exactly. Then um, there was uh, uh, Jack, who was uh, obviously supportive in this project, and he was the producer in this case of this project. He wanted uh, also to use um, a hazel machine, uh, you know, to create um, uh, to have the background a little bit uh, out of focus, so to take out the character. But my choice was different in this case, as you can see in Lightning. Everything is. Uh, absolutely non-focus yeah. and uh, the choice was because I thought it was easier with a mobile phone in this case but also because I wanted to create a portrait mm -hmm. so I like the idea that the characters stand with the background and um, and your film set I, I must tell you and and see when I'm telling you these things our listeners may be taking notes of these things are important because I'm going to okay. compliment you on something now um, there's so much to this film that, that made it, you know, there's so many details and, um, your film set, you know, you, you paid a lot of attention in painting the film yes. set. Yes. Colors, yeah. especially. Yeah, absolutely. So there was three people, um, coming back to lighting that was, uh, the key of this film. First of all was Jack because he basically launched me a bet and I took it and he said no worries if you accept this bet I will produce it and so I said okay good it's good <laughs> I'm happy <laughs> Jackie's on so we got the first one the second one was my really close friends and collaborator uh, Cecilia Mazzarella who is English despite the name and she is my script editor because obviously being a uh, uh, Mother, my mother language being Italian, I wanted to make sure that the script was much more English than possible, <laughs> that an audience can understand. But the third person, which was really important in terms of visual, uh, was the my sister, who is a fashion designer and a stylist. Mm. And since the very beginning, we start to work uh, really hard on colors. So if you check uh, um, the outfits that the character are wearing, yeah. nothing is left to the case. 
for example, uh, summer headphones, they are the same color <laughs> of uh, the uh, mug in the cafe. And uh, when she's wearing uh, her yellow top in the laundrette, that is exactly the primary color that we choose because it contrasts with the background. Well, so even, that, even the laundromat scene, uh, the colors scheme in there was awesome <laughs> oh thank you it was quite funny because we plan events you know that there is the scene where she's talking and behind her there is all the um um bath towel going around yeah. so even the color of the bath towel was planned before yeah. to have a kind of colorful movement it was uh yeah uh, it was uh you know i'm glad that you said that because this is what i mean when uh, mobile filmmaking it doesn't have necessary to be second class. It can be a proper way to do filmmaking, you know, because it doesn't mean that because you are doing something with the mobile phone, he has to be just shooted. That's it. No, you, it can be a proper film, you know, and uh, done with the, all the classic rules. And, and you're not in a hurry, you know. It's not like you know. Exactly. For, the, for the most part, I mean, you're shooting on a phone. You probably don't need to worry like like in a in a regular film production where you're getting funding because you know you don't have several million dollars um, exactly you know so you're you know you've got the pressure of that well you don't have necessarily I mean you do have deadlines in particular film festivals but your main your main um, focus is to record that story and then finish it all the way through in your way it's your story you know and so all these little details like christina is mentioning are very important to your final product really which is your film and once it's done it's done you know um so it's like the spices right like add, adding spices on food yeah exactly and as you said this is why um i'm really um a positive, you know, uh, proposer of mobile filmmaking in case of low budget. Because as you said, um, you probably own the phone. So you, you not necessarily my own a camera, but you, everybody own a phone, you know, and pretty much a decent phone now in terms of camera. So you already got the first tools that allowed you to record and film it. And uh, then when you pull up, pull put up a production you don't really need as you said much money then because you are not tying to renting cost or other things and then as I said again because it is um, relative light portable and everything you reduce quite a lot of cost in transport people working with you so it's something that can allow you honestly um, to translate your dreams to reality and your vision. And uh, as I said, uh, it's a democratic way to um, make filmmaking. Democratic way, I mean, uh, it democratizes the uh, medium. Because as we know, in the past, this wouldn't be possible, I think, until 20 years ago. I don't know if I could have done what I do it, because uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think until 20, 30 years ago, they still were doing it in a film rather than digital. Am I right or wrong? Um, I th well, let me see. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think it was just starting to to break into the digital scene. 
Um, yeah. but, but yeah, you're right because, well, and, and still, there are still people using film, of course. Yeah, you know, but, not against, but the problem with that too is time. Like you can't, you, you know, you can spend millions of dollars on everything, but you can't, and you can stretch out your production, but you can't buy the time in a day. If there's 24 exactly. hours in a day. <laughs> Period. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much time of daylight and nighttime. And those are very important, by the way, when you're when you're making a film. You you need to use your daylight or your nighttime for depending on 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 your on your scenes, especially if they're outdoors, right? Um and that's really important. So uh, you know, taking down a whole rig, the camera rig, and moving it to another location, that takes a few hours. Exactly, yeah. So. No, no, absolutely, that is one point. But uh, another thing that I want to say, I don't want to that pass the message, maybe that uh, I'm against traditionally filmmaking, whatever. Absolutely not. I love all the cinema industry in all its part. I appreciate and respect who still want to use the film, and lucky them that they can do it, as well as who uh, does mobile filmmaking with the mobile phone. Because at the end of the day, I think what is really important is the message. But most of all, if you really want to do something and get it out there, doesn't matter um, how much money you have. If you really have a will and you said, okay, Let's do it with what I have in the best way that I have. That is the way that you have uh, to think. And that's why I'm here talking with you. I'm really pleased also uh, that we are having this conversation um, about mobile filmmaking. Because um, I think for a lot of people it's a kind of uh, light, hope, you know. Um, And especially I, I want to thank you for being yourself a light in this world because uh, when I found out about your festival uh, as I told you before I said this is really interesting and uh, it made me think because I said um, okay I'm doing a short film with a mobile phone I didn't really know until then that there was a kind of let's say market or festival circuit and so when I saw your festival which is great is really professional and everything I said Maybe. So the choice that I made is not that bad. I can push with that choice. And maybe this is an opening. And uh, what you are doing yourself as festival director, giving voice to this is really, really important. And um, I think you should get credit as well for what you are doing, especially now recording a podcast. So when you are tired <laughs> and you want to go to bed, maybe. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, honestly, I'm very passionate about this. Thank you for all the compliments. But yeah, I'm very passionate about this. So I was really looking forward to this. What happened was that, yeah, I was very tired. But as soon as it it came time to, to, you know, to call you and to to do this, I feel like it could be three in the afternoon right now. So yeah, you got three. (laughs) Yes, let's do carry on. So it's all good. It's all good. Um, Yeah, I, I, I really do think that inspiring people to to live their dream, you know, in other words, to realize their dream is really important. And wow, you know, that we live at a time where, like you said, everybody 
has a phone, but even if you don't look around you, there's someone who does, you know, and exactly. just someone, you know, <laughs> not a complete stranger who you can go to and say, I, I really want to make this movie and can you help me and we can use your phone, you know? And I think that's really important for people, but you know, you were saying something about, you know, um, that you don't want people to think that you're against the traditional filmmakers or anything like that. And of course you're not. And I think one of the things that you show in your film um, and, and the way that you produced it, right. You have a crew and you have everything set up in the way that most independent films are made, you know, with particular, you know, you have, you had your makeup artist and you had, you know, your, your camera person, you have a director, you had a screenplay, a script, you had talented actors, which I want you to talk about for a minute here too. Yeah. And, and all that put together, um, just like any other film, the only difference really in your film was that you used a phone instead of a camera. Exactly. And I'm glad that you point out to this because I want to, to say something else that I, uh, before that I forgot. As you said, it's good to talk because we inspire other people. And myself, I was inspired by some American guys, your guys. <laughs> um, in 2016, um, one of our short documentary, Plastic Garbage, was selected in Switzerland to a mobile, another mobile film festival. And it was nominated as uh, best documentary. Then it didn't won in the end, but it was good to have a nomination. So we flew there, and uh, we had this amazing time to this festival. And one of the panel at the session that uh, we have, there was the guy, uh, the producer of Tangerine, Chris Bergo, ah. um, who delivered uh, his masterclass. And I was sitting there listening to these guys. I I make the premise that I watch Tangerine, I really like it. And he was explaining why he chose uh, with a mobile phone, which was basically for budget constriction, reducing the crew and everything. And that was the moment in which inspired me because I said, well, I'm already doing that, but I could take the cha challenge a little bit further. I could do a short film. That was the moment in which you start to get the spark a little bit, you know, the idea of sooner or later you have to do something. And I could do, then I did it lightning, like proper, as you said, professional film set, but substituting the camera with the mobile phone. And um, that is something that I want to say, because, you know, you never know who you aspire. And uh, that was my first inspiration. The second inspiration was a girl sitting next to me um, who was in this festival with a, an animation documentary that she did it with a mobile phone, yeah. which is incredible because she'd done an animation with a mobile phone. You said, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> she did it. And uh, she, I was talking with her. She said that uh, it took her two years to since the moment that she conceived the project, uh, she thought about it and she did it. She realized but um, after those two years, it was three years that she kept going around to the festival and showing her work. She was a member of the jury and everything. I said, so probably 
the time that you invest in something, another idea that I have is not a waste because maybe it takes you one year or two years, but then you got all this time back. Yeah. Because you are going around, showcase your work. And if you see, it's already starting with lightning because you saw the film and we are talking now about that. And, and um, anybody else went once the the film festivals did any of did any I mean I know you just completed it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it's fine. as soon yeah. as you get the um okay, you you know, we accepted it and you and it starts going that route, I mean I, I so you know, I don't I'm not a judge in my film festival, but you know, um there are films in in my film festival which I just I love, you know, and I think the quality is great. So I can't say, you know, um, this one has to win. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you you are the founder of the festival. But then right. it's up to a panel. Yeah. It's totally independent. Exactly. So, but, you know, me, just like anybody else, when they're sitting there watching a film and they see a really good film, it's like, oh, I hope that one wins, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so whatever film festival it gets into, um, I really hope it wins because I think they're going to oh, notice the quality of the film. So when I first, uh, just for our listeners, when you see the trailer, it'll give you a taste of it, okay? But you'll see that the film, and now you did something really interesting with the titles and the music and the transitions. Oh, yes. that's. A, I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, I think it's time to explain briefly what it's about, uh, lightning about. Lightning is um, uh, a story, an unexpected, it has the story of an unexpected meeting between uh, a quirky musician who just moved to London and a deaf girl who dream of becoming a pilot. And because in this film, I got these two characters that they were virtually on the opposite. One is a musician who works with sound and the other character, she's deaf. So they really are virtually uh, opposite and, and the communication is even more difficult. And because the film is all about communication and sound and light, I did uh, uh, quite a big work with uh, uh, colors as you, we already mm -hmm. speak about, and lights, but especially music. Music was really, really important. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there is quite a lot of um, original song in there. Yes. And uh, I, funny enough, um, the post-production was longer and take more than the actual pre-production and production because uh, uh, music was too important. And I had more musicians than actors in the end of the day. <laughs> uh, because, uh, um, and the girl that opened the credits and scored the ending song, she's um, an independent and emerging artist from London. And uh, I had her scoring most of the film, plus uh, another band that they got kind of, uh, strange name don't take it uh, too bad dog yeah. tablets and uh, and then uh, I got two composer um, and I did all of this because as you know music is really important in audio in a film but at the same time it's costly so I managed to meet these people they saw the project they like it and I said look we can really create something beautiful together and collaborate. And that was a collaboration. And, uh, How did so, you meet yeah. them? 
basically, I meet them in various phases of life. I met Laura, which is uh, the singer who scored the ending song at the beginning, uh, through my previous job. Mm. Um, because we were working, you know, to pay our rent. She right. was in the uh, working with me. And um, one day, basically, I got a delivery from Amazon, which was a massive mic <laughs> uh, for another film set, stand up. And she said, oh, my God, are you a singer? I said, no, I'm not a singer. It's for <laughs> a recording outside. I said, why? Because I am a singer. So we started to talk. And since that moment, I started to go to our concert. And I actually really like her kind of music. And not because she's a friend, you know, because mm. I genuinely like it. And so we always said we need to do something at some point together. She liked what I do. I like what she did. With regard the composer, Oliver, I met him always in another... Um, I was a post-production producer for a feature film of a friend of mine, which has a really, really bad audio. And I had to take care to find somebody to recover the audio because otherwise (laughs) there was no way to screen it. And uh, I put out an ad to find a sound mixer. Um, And I found Oliver, which is also a composer. And uh, we worked together. We went on really well. We got kind of a lot of respect. And we said when there would be time, we will work again together. And here we are in Lightning. While the other guys was my ex-colleague for from EMI, because my first job uh, was in the music industry. So I come from the music industry background. That's why there is quite a lot of music, because it's essential. And um, so I got back in, back in touch with them and I said, I got this project, read the script, let me know if you like it or not friends like before if nothing happened and they actually really like it and these are the guy who scored the song of the laundrette mm. I don't know if you remember and um, yeah so it was properly as I said in the beginning a kind of um, uh, proper collaborative project in which people came through naturally and uh, I approached them in an easy way without expectation but also strong of uh, um, what I wanted and I said this is the project Um, you know me I know you let me know if you want to be on board and uh, I'm also aware that it might be not your kind of project to taste but they read the project and they said yes let's do it and that's how we are and that is the reason why there is quite a lot of music and it takes quite longer the post-production because we properly work also for the composer we work in a way that uh, especially the end part where there is the the music play with lights we try to reply the sound of um, how a deaf person could start perceive the music at least for a near in person of course that's a good that's a good segue for you to talk about your your actors with Andy Steele and Genevieve Barr, right? Yes, exactly. So Genevieve Barr, she's uh, basically my muse in this um, film. She's an amazing, amazing actress. She's a BAFTA-nominated actress, and she's a real-life deaf actress. The first time that uh, I saw Genevieve performing was in a theatre in London, quite an important theatre also, and uh, she was playing a deaf character. But 
because uh, um, I'm not strange to non-Iran people, because one good friend of mine who is a director and work and live in Paris is deaf. So I know how to communicate with the deaf person, not like sign language, obviously, but the way in which you have to talk, because most of them is also able to lip read. Yeah. Uh, and by also fully aware that if you are a deaf person, you might have not really a clear voice because you don't obviously hear yourself. And in this case of this friend of mine, he virtually is not really able to speak much, is nearly mute. Um, but when I saw Genevieve, that she born in a hearing family and she's a deaf actress performing, I was blown away because I thought this girl cannot be deaf because how can you perform in a theater without a mic or anything and have such a clear voice? So uh, when I finished this show, I started to you know research about her because I said, I can't believe it. she can't be deaf, she can't be deaf. And then it turned out that she's a Bafta nominatory actress, she's deaf. And I said, I need to get this girl. I want to, I want to have her for lightning. You know, she's the right person. And uh, Susan, I tell you honestly, and Jack knows there was a point in which we had a small problem because uh, she was uh, were committed. She worked quite a lot. And I said, there is no way that uh, I do this production without her because uh, um, I, a certain point, I start to shape the character around her because uh, she's deaf. But she can, as you saw in the film, speak really clearly English yeah. that you can understand. You can't really notice. There is a small tweak in her voice that you can say, yes, there is something strange. But you can't really notice that she's deaf. Uh, but she can also lip read. So it was um, oh, I think I, yeah. really interesting to work with her. Because if you think about I'm an in person. She's a deaf person. I never had the experience before as a director to working with a deaf actor. So in the beginning, I was a bit nervous because not only, it sounds like a joke, but not only, you know, um, we got this communication problem. We could have, I thought, but I'm also Italian. So I don't know how she will perceive my <laughs> accent. <laughs> so I said, oh my God, it will be a disaster. I don't know. So there was a moment in which I said, um, I need to meet this girl before. So we met and our first meeting, uh, I was so nervous. I said, oh my God, um, I hope she can understand me because even if she lip read and English not be my first language, I might pronounce something with my lip sinking in a strange way. <laughs> she might not understand me. But because as I said, she's an actress and uh, a good actress and she born in a hearing family. So she has not been raised like with the trauma or with a, a kind of that she's different. She's raised like, you know, like everybody else. So she didn't even attend a um, specific school for deaf person. She went straight for the normal school. So she's um, pretty much unbelievable. She's amazing. And it was really easy to work with her on the set. Uh, obviously, you know, um, if you are, if she's uh, giving, uh, if he's not facing you, um, you can't pretend that she can hear you, hear well, you talking. That's what I was thinking about as a director. Yeah, exactly. You know. No, no, exactly. Cut, so, wait, cut. <laughs> no, so obviously uh, there was some scene in which she, we were filming her from the back. In that case, uh, you need to have a bit of sensibility to say, okay, 
or you have somebody in front that give the signal that uh, is action right. or like the scene on the end where there is the black and uh, the lights start to uh, play in her face in that case it was me tapping her feet <laughs> hiding behind the sofa to say okay now you can open the eyes <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole trick because you can't just get in front of your actor and say cut, action, you know, yeah, exactly. and things like that in the middle. No, but as I said, she's um, she's uh, great. She's a uh, um, really professional actress. And, uh, and then, as you mentioned, Andy, they are both great, but two really different actors because uh, She's the, that kind of actor that if you tell her you need to do this action in this way, she exactly does in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and doesn't matter how many times you ask her to repeat the action, it will be exactly that way. Because she knows that you want in that way. Unless you said, okay, try to tweak it and do something. Andy, on the other hand, he's a... <laughs> You have seen him. Andy is uh, Sean, basically. So he's amazing. He's so funny, that guy. Andy, on the other half, is completely the opposite actor. If you tell him, you need to do this action in this way, okay, he does it the first time that way, but then he will find other 20 different ways to do that (laughs) single action. So so like a script supervisor's nightmare, basically, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But... Um, for the role that he required, you know, he was perfect because uh, it was so fascinating to see him to deliver Sean because there was some point in which we said, Andy is not really playing Sean. Andy is Sean. Yeah, that's the, I was just going to say that, that he was the character. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And funny enough, um, as I said, uh, Genevieve, um, basically she had the role without she knew it. (laughs) <laughs> because I decided that I would like to have her in the moment that I saw her in the theater. So I said, there is no way I don't even need to do a casting for her. I want her. That's it. Uh, Andy, we did uh, a casting to find uh, uh, his character, which is Sean. And it was quite challenging because uh, Sean's character seems like uh, his character to play, but it's not really because he's quite uh, charming and complex. As person and um, to deliver it in a natural way, you, I needed the right actor. So we did uh, um, quite a lot of research, and after a week of casting, funny enough, um, we had all our list. The first person of the first day of casting that walked through the door and he was dressed exactly like the character should be, mm-hmm. Sean was Andy. When I saw him, I was like, oh my God, is him? Is him? <laughs> In my script editor and the producer said, Christina, contain yourself. Don't show, <laughs> don't smile. We can't tell that you want him. Don't smile for the respect of the other. I said, okay, I'm fine. But when he, he delivered his performance, you know, his, uh, and then he woke out of the door, I said, I can close the audition. <laughs> I, I was, and Jack said, no. You can't close the audition. It's not professional because he, you likes him, but you never know that uh, then you find somebody else right. that might give the same performance better. And you know what? And to be fair, I was right because there was other two actors that was really good and challenging. Um, but Andy, um, 
it was absolutely the first person that I saw. And when he walked in, he was uh, shown. He was already in the character. It was not even difficult to give him the line. Mm-hmm. He even came prepared that uh, and he already studied a little bit the sign language on the internet. And I said, now this guy is, you know, he deserves the chance. And I'm so pleased that uh, we we go with him in the end because uh, you saw the film. Yeah. Genevieve and Andy really... Um, there was... There, alchemy. Yeah. yeah, and as the two characters, there is the chemistry between them that evolves. You know, from the first scene, it's not really there as far as, you know you're not sure where it's going to go but then right after that you start to see the the chemistry evolve between them so exactly that is so important for a movie in that genre you know and uh, yeah exactly yeah it was it was done so well and that's the that's the key point you know we were just talking about you know the phone the mobile phone and everything but what it comes down to is and this is where i think it helps to save the money from the camera and everything else that it that you have to deal with with that, you know, um, and to put it into finding some really good characters that have chemistry, uh, not only in this genre, you know, I mean, there are many movies that I that you know that are even action films where if the the um, the characters don't have the chemistry together, it ends up showing in the film. It can be so much better when they have that. Oh, no, absolutely. And uh, that's why, as I said, um, I don't know if I mentioned, but Lightning, since the moment in which I started to think about uh, until uh, we went to production, post-production, it took me one year, one year yeah. and a half to complete everything since the moment that I thought. And this because, as I said, as my first film as director, writer-director, I wanted to do it uh, Properly, So I said, if I challenge myself, I want to work in every aspect of the film. He has to be in a way that I'm not saying perfect, but that I will be happy with. Mm-hmm. And the uh, actors are really, really important. So when uh, I think um, filmmaking industry is really a difficult industry because uh, you can't say, I got a good script, that's it. No, you need a good script, you need a good actor, you need a good crew, you need a good music, good audio. Everything has to be good because if you got a fantastic story, fantastic budget, but there is no chemistry there or the actor are a little bit wobbling or the audio is crap, you know, or the music is not the right one, you can ruin um, the well, project because Indiana is a portrait you know that you do yeah and that that reflects on the director and this was your directorial debut right yes yes yeah. exactly so you know I mean it was definitely worth it um and and you did such a great job at doing that because you did you it's the director has the vision and you can't settle you can't say we were talking about this before about, you know, well, you have to take another take, you have to get it right, you know, and you can't just say, well, that's good enough as a director. No, exactly. Uh, because as you said, Indian is your vision. And uh, but also because I believe you don't only own a certain point is not anymore something that lies with you, the responsibility. Mm-hmm. You got the responsibility with the field, but also most of all, I felt like with the people that was involved with the project, because uh, 
since the original idea where it was just me and these three original people, then you got more people coming into the project. And these people are people that put in their time, yeah. their passion, and maybe they do also other job. So at that's a certain point, you have to do it, not for yourself anymore. It's for them. Yeah, you're very uh, obliged. That's it. Yeah, at least that was my feeling, you know, because I'm not failing on myself. I'm failing to other people. And that is not what I want to do because myself, if I was the only me as person, I don't care if I do and I fail. I will stand up again and do it again when I got more energy. But you don't know in which point of their life is these people. Maybe that project for them could be important. For example, Laura, um, the singer, she was in a part of her life that it was a bit difficult because she just lost one of her beloved, her mm. father. So for her, this project was also a way to, at least how I read it, you know, to well, imagine. escape, you know. Yeah, so, and imagine that it wouldn't have turned out to the vision that you that you that they had of what you have you know that's all the reason to uh christina that your vision and you sticking to it and making that work was important for them because if they would have invested all that work and all that time exactly. and all that passion and then it just turns out to be blah you know no exactly that's was uh, to be honest there is moment in which you are doing it and uh you know, just the fact that it took me time, the post-production, I feel, I felt really bad because we're done because I said, oh my God, now maybe they're thinking that I'm pulling out <laughs> or was all an illusion. But I said, no, but guys, stick with me. I promise you, I told you that it will be finished. It will be, but it has to be as I promised. It can't be finished early because you want to see something. Because otherwise, everything is waste. So you need to be patient. <laughs> well, and for our listeners, you know, that does happen a lot. For every one movie that you see completed, even the worst films that you've ever seen that are done, obviously yeah. that's why you've seen them, <laughs> um, The even the worst, there are 10 that were started, that were probably even finished production and never made it past the post-production I mean it, it just never went anywhere exactly but you know it's, it's interesting what you said because uh, um, about the worst movie you know yeah. because uh, I was a kind of I'm not only a passionate about film filmmaker but I'm also a film lover myself and uh, before to start doing film I was really really critical um, uh, with uh, the film <laughs> that I watch okay really picky but now, uh, after doing, uh, being in this industry, even if as indie or whatever, when I saw a film, even if and he's out there and he's finished, even if he's not the best one, I can't help to clap the hands to these guys because he said, you know what, maybe it's bad, it's really bad, but you did it. Yeah. There is people that never even arrived to the point to finish it, you know, so... That's exactly you're that, more that su you're more for. supportive now of your basically your community, right? Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a critic, you know, you, it's right to be critics uh, because uh, critics is essential to proceed in life, you know. But you also have to recognize that if you are 
watching something or reading something. And I'm not honestly, um, you know, try to convince somebody. You need to understand that, that everything that you saw, there is something behind, there is work behind. So it's right to be critic and you have to be because it's constructive and you help them to improve. But don't uh, slander or something <laughs> because you don't know how painful it was. <laughs> Yeah, no. And, you know, I would almost want to say sometimes I feel like the opposite is happening with me <laughs> um, because uh, with mobile filmmaking, right, at my film festival and I'm and I'm watching all these film submissions and the very first uh, time, you know, the very first film festival is like anything, anything I saw, I would go to YouTube before I got any film submissions and I'd look for films that were shot with a, with a phone and it could have been probably pretty bad quality. Everything probably wasn't even a story. And I was like, oh, my God, but they shot it with a phone. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, and, and now it's more like, well, come on, you could do better than that. Even though it's with the phone, come on now. <laughs> yes, no, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, as I said, I'm less critical now. But at the same time, I'm not saying, oh, just because you did it. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's fine. No. I said, no, I recognize the M4 and well done you that you did it. But now. No, but you're, you're you living. Yeah, exactly. you're yeah. living the effort. And so you understand the struggle, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I understand the struggle. But as you said, you know, um, in the beginning is the revolution, you know, because you say, oh, my God, with mobile phone, it's great. Mm -hmm. But then now is quite uh, um, a while. And there is uh, um, the camera with this phone evolved quite a lot. So we really can have the best out of this technology and take it serious and do serious job. So um, I completely agree with you. And that is also the reason why, as I said, I'm really glad that there is people like you out there that not only people that does film, but also people that uh, decide to pull up a festival only to, you know, give voice to this particular kind of new media. Oh, well, it's great. Yeah. Uh, people like you make it so awesome. You know, I mean, after looking at your film, I, I just couldn't be any more excited. And I think our listeners, when they when they click, we're going to add the link to the notes and have the blog article and we'll put the video, not the video, the trailer. Um, but later when, when you're allowed to release it and they can watch it. Um, oh, gonna, yeah, sure. Yeah, they're going to just, they're just going to be mesmerized because of the quality of the film in many ways. We're talking to music, the set. Uh, the actors, the story itself, and how when you start playing the film, you might think, oh, I know this is a mobile film. I'm going to watch out for this and learn something. But believe me, <laughs> by the second th scene, you're just watching a movie with a great story. You're going to forget <laughs> <laughs> that it was shot with a phone, that you were going to study it, you know, in some way. Uh, you may have to watch it a few times before you want to actually analyze it in that way to cre recreate something like that yourself. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I have to say something, two things. One, thanks a lot. But now I'm scared that people maybe had too much expectation. <laughs> maybe they said, oh, no, it wasn't that great. I doubt it. I <laughs> doubt right. it. I doubt that. Um, <laughs> second, I want to say, and I think uh, I... Uh, is something that I, I hone, Jack. Um, 
behind every, you know, I mean, successful film, successful in the way that you finish, you got obviously not only the actor and the people that you saw, but also the crew. And I really want to personally thank him because uh, he was the producer in this case of this project and uh, he had quite a lot to take over his shoulder. And uh, he was there since the beginning until the end. And uh, I want to publicly say thanks to him also because uh, it, as you saw, I work quite a lot on the visual of the film uh, with the actor, the music. And uh, so it took out the pressure of dealing with, uh, you know, contracts, crew right. and the location, especially location. Uh, if there is one thing of filmmaking that I hate to deal with is location hmm. because they, there is always one location that drops you at the end. <laughs> Oh. At really close before <laughs> to shoot. So, uh, and honestly, I want to thank him for that. Um, and uh, speaking about location, the the location of the bar that you saw, which yeah. is great, and I really love it also in terms of color, that was not the original location that I wanted and I thought about. And uh, actually, it was a nightmare because we got dropped from the original location one week before to go on the set and oh. shoot. It's like, oh my God, I was about to cry. I said, no, I'm not going to do it anymore now. How can I do it? Oh, what happened? How did you fix it? Uh, but basically, that moment it was Jack. He said, okay, never mind. Um, because he knew it that, uh, um, you know, I don't really particularly, I'm not particularly strong to negotiate with location or deal with that Um, and so he said no worries we will find something I said yes but it's London it's massive and it's one week before to film he said no worries so he took over his laptop on his maze he started to research corner bar in London and the research gave him all the picture of the corner bar in London that was a kind of something 2000 place or something unbelievable a lot and he break down the research and he arrived to 200 bar that could fit wow. the case and he called all the 200 bar wow and, <laughs> I know. and eventually we got this location that it was um and the, and this is funny actually because we have to anticipate the production for this location and usually you never anticipate the production you delay yeah so so uh, he found this location, and this location, as you see, is really great. They already shot them, we understand, other commercial inside. And the owner, she's a young woman, and uh, she was in uh, that week going uh, to a festival, mm-hmm. a music festival, for the first time since when she opened the bar. And she said, you know what, guys, uh, I will be happy to have you here um, because uh, I would be away from the bar for two days. And if there is a crew inside, I feel more safe that there will be no burger or something like that. Mm. Okay. But um, I'm afraid you have to anticipate the production of three days. I was like, oh my God, can we do it? And he said, yes, we can do it. Okay. So from the actor, can we do blah, blah, blah. So we had uh, two days, that place for two days. But in the end of the day, we have to shoot everything only in one day because one of that was not available the Saturday. Oh, no. So we had to do all on Sunday 
from morning until really late evening. Right. But, you know, it was crazy because it was that was really the first day of production. And um, I was so stressed that I even cried and I locked myself in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I think he what woman, I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, I was so, he said, oh my God, we are not going to finish. But we did it, you know, it's always like that. You start late and you recoup by the end. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the first day of production, anticipated. Now no Shock. one's going to want to make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, no. That, <laughs> No, no, yeah, but it's right. worth it, guys. It's worth it. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah, I shouldn't have shared that. No, it's fine. If no, you no, cry, it's funny. If you cry yourself in the kitchen or in the bathroom, it's fine. You will get over. <laughs> These are all great stories to share later. Battle, Like battle scars or something, right? <laughs> exactly. Especially because if you think, you said, it's, it's nice what happened the last day. You said, it's yeah. the last day. But the first day. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, now we can survive five days of shooting. But you did first day done. The worst one. Let's do the other. The other one was pretty much easy and fun. It's like if you don't like vegetables. <laughs> yes. And you're going. I have to eat these vegetables. So you know what? I'm just gonna eat them all right now and get that over with. <laughs> I do always the same. You eat before what you don't like it, and right. you save what you like for the last. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I have um, I have a proposition here for a game. Okay. So I know, right? I didn't even mention this to you. Uh, so <laughs> I I like to play a game with our guests. Um, okay. It's called a shout out game, and so uh, because you there's a lot of people that now I'm realizing you probably want to thank so. What I'm going to do is give you, I'm going to put you on the spot. So if, if someone doesn't get mentioned and they call you later and say, you know, I listened to the podcast, you didn't even name me in the shout out game. <laughs> you say, you know, I only had 20 seconds and she never even warned me. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Okay. Fine. So, so that's the deal. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start, I got a timer. So I'm going to okay. start and I'm going to say go. And then you're just going to name everybody you can in 20 seconds. Okay, so I just need to name them without the role and everything. Yeah, because if you go there, then you're probably only yeah, exactly. two. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm under stress. Okay, fine. But don't cry. No, it's fine. <laughs> Otherwise, I waste time. Don't lock yourself in the kitchen and cry now. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, so ready, get set, and go. Okay, first of all, Giacomo Mantovani, Cecilia Mazzarella, Michaela Isoli. Genevieve Bar, Andy Steed, Laura Maidman, Marty King, Roberto Soave, um, oh, Alto, um, Caroline Gobelin, um, Camille Nava. Uh, okay. Oh my god! Oh, okay, done. Okay, I was really slow. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you got a lot of names in there. You probably got almost one per second there. <laughs> okay good <laughs> yeah no that was great oh my god uh, it was a great game unexpected and uh, really you put me on the spot because uh, oh my god I need to prepare this in case I've been asked again yeah but you know if you think about it you didn't I mean we named you named a lot of people I gave you an opportunity to name a lot of people but um but you were telling sharing stories about each one of these people 
and there's no way you're going to get them all, but this way gives them, gives you an opportunity, even though I didn't warn you, exactly. but that's part yeah. of the challenge of the game, right? Um, exactly. That, I like the game. Yeah. And now you can tell everybody, you know, I named you. <laughs> exactly. I named you, but Dolly and to the people that has not been named, I said, don't listen to the podcast, please. <laughs> Well, they're no, they're going to listen to this. <laughs> they're gonna no, know. <laughs> you had probably at least 10 other names that you could have said, but you didn't get a chance to. I'm, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Um, now, is there anything else um, that, that we should talk about that you'd like to, um, you know, again, I think everything in, in this podcast is awesome. I mean, we had a really great discussion. I'm, hoping and I think that the listeners are going to enjoy the whole entire thing. Um, but in order to, if there's something that I didn't ask you that you'd like to point out, um, maybe, you know, not like the famous last words or anything, mm -hmm. <laughs> but just something you'd like to share. Well, when you asked me, I thought that I said pretty much everything, but there is actually something that I would like to share. And, um, is, um, I work with this actress who, for the normal world, she has a disability, which for me is not. And uh, she's a deaf actress, okay? And uh, what I would like to say to people is uh, when you write a story where you got uh, a character that uh, is uh, uh, has a disability, like is blind or non-hearing, or I don't know, maybe in a wheelchair, why you don't try to employ actors that actually are living that condition? Because uh, just because you don't hear or you don't see doesn't mean that uh, you are limited. Because maybe a blind person or a non-hearing person uh, wants to be an actor or is a painter. I don't know. Do you understand what I mean? So um, when we do something and uh, we tell a story, um, try to be sensible and understand if you can give a chance to somebody that maybe wouldn't have the chance. That's it. That's my only thing that I want to say, I guess. That's a very good point that you bring up, though. Um, and, and I would add that if you have a disability, um, you know, you can also, you have stories, too. Exactly. You know? And Genevieve, for example, she never thought to become an actress until a friend of her says, look, there is this BBC drama that they are, uh, they have this deaf character. Why you don't try to propose yourself? And she did. She did well. She really enjoyed it. And since then, it started something, you know. So is a, I think is we win double side you because you got an authentic story uh, told from uh, a true voice and also for the other person because find um, a way to channel their energy yeah and another path in life you never know well yeah definitely and you know i also like to think more about uh you know we all have limitations so exactly. for me, sometimes when people, you know, you got a disability, I, I don't really see it so much as a disability as yeah, more exactly. of, a, of a limitation um, that someone has. Just like, for example, I can't dance. 
<laughs> no. So you could say I have a, I have a disability for dancing, okay? <laughs> you are dancing disabled. <laughs> so, you know, that's my limit <laughs> for somebody it could be their hearing or something else and um yeah. but yeah, the and um and yeah, so so mobile filmmaking, you know, also because of the budget and the ease and the how comfortable it is to to find even a crew and friends and and to bring up and say I'm doing something really interesting I'm making a movie and I'm going to shoot it with my phone would you like to play the music or would you like to film it or you know what, what do you mean film it well you're going to use your phone come on you I've seen you doing stuff you know you you're filming your cousins on and putting it on Facebook yeah you know I mean just <laughs> you don't do a film <laughs> so you know challenge yourself a little more I'll I'll tell you how to do it you know whatever but um there's so many different ways that you can bring people into the world of storytelling through film uh that you couldn't imagine doing in a in a in a in a funded production I should say um in a regular production even though there's always that time right when in video production for example where your client says oh I want my son or my daughter or my brother's you know whatever to uh, yeah. be in in the video or something you're like um okay not sure. <laughs> not sure is he able to act <laughs> right <laughs> or I want my my brother's a musician oh yeah yeah he plays okay. you know and you're like in his room all the time right and that's <laughs> it <laughs> and it's like not to say that people who just play in the room can't come out with a wonderful song yeah, but you exactly. know <laughs> no, no, exactly um last things and then I'll let you go because you must be exhausted um which I realize um about talking about Genevieve and when I said about disability I want to highlight that uh, I use the word disability because the word that uh, this word society yeah. teach you to use but yeah. for me um, is the easy way to make understand but for me I would Genevieve was she's a friend I mean um, for me she's not uh, a disabled person right um, I know it's strange to say but um, she just communicate in a different way and uh, I think uh, at certainly point in uh, life we need to find another word to define people but the problem <laughs> well, is that we are limited as human you know and we need to define a situation otherwise we don't understand thank you so much for no, uh, thanks being a to guest. you no. It was really, really, really good to talk to you. Actually, I think I will miss you, but I know that you need to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and you have a whole day ahead of you, so exactly. I appreciate, I I appreciate you getting up extra early this morning, too. So thank you. So thanks a lot, Suzanne, and uh, I really wish you the best of luck with the festival and the podcast, but I know that you don't need luck because you're great, and I hope to meet you in person one day, finally. Yeah, well, we'll see you in San Diego soon, I'm sure. Yes, <laughs> me too. And for our listeners, don't forget uh, everything that just, and listen to this over again if you need to, and take notes, and, and really do believe that if you have a great story, you can do something amazing and uh, be sure to, uh, why don't you, where can people follow you? Uh, do you? Do you have a public Facebook too? Uh, yes, I got also an Instagram. 
okay. which I can share with you later because I don't have actually my real name. I got Tenenbaum because my favorite director is Wes Anderson. Okay. So I named myself <laughs> after one of his characters. Nice. Okay. So I will share the link with you. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so d- how about a website just for people who don't like to read notes? Oh, yes. So, okay, I can tell you. Um, my public profile is Cree, C-R-I, Tenenbaum, T-E-N-E-N-B-A-U-M. And uh, my website is uh, avantgardepictures.com. So, www. Uh, avantgardepictures.com I know it's all difficult <laughs> or otherwise just put my name and surname and google it and you find everything it's exactly easy. right <laughs> yeah that's easy, easy Christina without H easily I-S-O-L-I and that's it you find me it's true it's true I did it earlier guys <laughs> <laughs> all right well goodbye to everybody and thank you again Christina oh thanks to you good, good night <laughs>